There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 36. Last week, we went through rounds 1 through 10. The top 120 in ADP moves from March ADP to April ADP. And now we go to rounds 11 through 20, picks 121 to 240. And it has some interesting standouts along this way. You can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick. And to join me, as always, my co-host on Twitter at BatFlipCrazyToby. How are we doing, man? Uh, we're doing well, Bubba. I think... Um... Yeah, things life's just life's just plugging along. You know, I've uh, the last the last week I've listened to a lot of podcasts with you on it, both Bench with Bubba, uh, the RotoWire edition, the Yancey Eaton uh, interview, which was all uh, which was all terrific. And so people uh, people are definitely listening already because they're listening to this podcast. But um, some great stuff you're putting out there. So thank you for making my week better. I appreciate that. I really do. It was fun because uh, Jeff Erickson like told me the day before there's really nothing to talk about i said don't worry about it we'll figure it out so we just kind of had fun talking there and then um with yancey i told i think i told people from day one he he texted me and he said i'm ready to, to be on the show because i told him the door's always open so I said, okay so uh we set up a date and he goes you can ask me whatever you want at the beginning but then i'm taking over the, the, the rest of the show i got a million <laughs> questions for you I'm like yeah okay that's different let's see what happens <laughs> so uh that that's what that was. It, was it was definitely a different scenario so it was fun I got, I, for I sure it was it. awesome i, yeah, re- was I really enjoyed both of those i listened they to them like intertwined the same night so um i appreciate yeah. that yeah i told jeff i laughed i think i've had him on my show twice and i've been on his show now once and every time we've been on a show, there's been no baseball. I'm like, one of these days we'll talk baseball. <laughs> one of these days. So uh, we'll see what happens. But thank you for the uh, compliments. Anybody wants to go check those out? It was fun, fun stuff. Uh, indeed, not your prototypical fantasy baseball podcast, put it that way. 
but uh, lots of fun to be had. And we will get you uh, some fantasy baseball news here. Like I said last week, we talked about uh, some risers and fallers in the top 120. Most of them are injury-related, a couple kind of head-scratchers like Nelson Cruz and whatnot. But when we head down uh, the next 120 here, it definitely becomes a little more clear. Uh, you got Zach Gallon at 121, Eduardo Escobar at 122, Rossiel Iglesias at 123, Julio Urias at 124, Nick Anderson at 125, Kevin Biggio at 126, Mad Bum 127, Michael Brantley 128, Conforto 129, Danny Santana at 130, Tommy Edmund 131, and Brandon Workman 132. Um, what stands out to you in this range? Well, I think the first person I highlighted was Julio Arias. I feel like he's moved up quite a bit. Am I right? He's moved up seven spots. And again, I want to remind everybody, um, when we get deep, deep, I, I might resort to telling you the difference in actual ADPs. Right now, we're just using mm-hmm. the value on the left-hand side because um, for the most part, they'll translate. Like, for instance, when it comes to Urias here at pick 124, in April, he had an ADP of 123.66. In March, he had an ADP of 134. So he jumped about 10 ADP points, seven spots on overall value. So you get an idea that way. But yes, he has climbed a bit. Not quite Jesus Lazardo climb, but a decent climb. Yeah, I think Urias is interesting for me. Obviously, the environment is incredible. Um, pitching with the Dodgers, um, he's in the rotation. Um, but I haven't been able to get fully on board. I'm a little concerned about the control metrics, um, you know, below league average, really, um, you know, first pit strike rate, uh, zone percentage. He does get folks to chase outside the zone, um, but I do worry a little bit. His lowest walk rate is the 8.3%. Maybe he gets a little bit better, uh, you know, one year removed from that injury, but even Steamer has his uh, walk rate um, projected at 9.5%. So that's a little bit of a concern for me there. Obviously pitching in the bullpen, moving into the rotation, that'll have some impact on um, his ability to uh, maintain, you know, velocity. Uh, And then I also think with the games, you know, with some questions about how the games are going to be played, there is some question in my mind about whether he, um, whether he gets access to wins or not, you know, like if we're going nine inning games, maybe he's pitching, you know, five, but I'm not sure the wins will necessarily be there. So I have like one or two shares when he was going around 150, 160 range, I think, you know, maybe back in February, something like that. But at this price, he's kind of inching up there where I don't think I'm that interested anymore. But there's certainly a lot to like. The stat cast numbers just from like a contact management perspective are pretty nice. I don't know. How do you how do you feel about Urias? I like Urias quite a bit. I echo a lot of the things you said there. I like his his strikeout ability, his overall um, pedigree. We know he's a young arm that's very, very talented. There, there are questions about how long he can go in games, how much are they going to push him. It, it's a real, you know, like I say all the time, it's the easy way out, but we're, we're, we're guessing because we don't know what the scenarios are going to be. We're still like under the impression of some kind of June, you know, spring training, July start. That's still up for debate. Like, there's been some tweets that came out today that I'm going to keep my my hopes high, but there was a lot of beat writers um, saying that wasn't happening. So we, we will wait and see. I think there's there's something in the works. It's just a matter of what it's going to be, and that'll determine how long are the games, where they're playing at, so on and so forth, which will depend a lot of things uh, in that regard. So I like Urias a lot. Um, I mentioned last week Urias versus Lazardo based on price is interesting to me. 
just because I think they both have the same, like I think Lazardo's got better stuff. Don't get me wrong. But I think they both have the same, you know, they might only go so many innings a game, so on and so forth. So they'll be very similar, I think, on a year like this. Now, if they played a full 162 and they each pitched 170 plus innings, you give me Lazardo all day long. But if we're going to teeter it down, it gets a little more interesting to me. Um, so I don't mind Urias, but it's, uh, you know, like Eduardo Rodriguez going right after him is a guy I've been a fan of. I know they're both volatile, but at least, you know, with Erod, you can get the innings. I'd probably just stick with uh, Eduardo or something like that. Yeah, here's a question for you off the cuff here, putting you on the spot. Uh, Urias at his current cost or Kyle Hendricks at his current cost? So 30 picks later at 154. I'll go Kyle Hendricks. Yeah. Uh, the, the reliability there. And this is one thing I actually talked about on a different show today is – how, how many shows do you do a day, Bubba? Well, this one, is a, it's the In This League Sports Grid show. We record every Monday for the Tuesday morning release. That's just a, a standard show I do. And this is actually a discussion we had was, you know, on a shortened season. And I know we've talked about it a few times. And, again, we don't know the answers. But do you treat it as a sprint where you kind of want the up, like optimal, you want to shoot for the moon? Or do you want to play it safe and have a bunch of Kyle Hendricks in the world? I still think I'll build, like, my combination. I'll take my chances where I want to. But – I think the stability of a Kyle Hendricks helps you take those chances. Like if you go full, you know, Urias, Lazardos of the world, you're playing with fire. So in that scenario, I'd rather take 30 picks later and go Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think this year is going to be really interesting because I almost feel like by staying the course, not not like where we, you don't have to interpret the short season differently or depending on how the game's you know, kind of roll out in the divisions and who's playing who in the home ballparks. But I almost feel like in some respects, there might be a little bit of um, uh, like over analysis. Like we're going to start putting like so much energy and effort into understanding all of the little minutia, which we should do, right? We want to have as much information as possible. We want to understand that. But I think how you weigh that for a player's value is really important to think about because I find myself doing that right now where I'm like, Oh, well, if this guy's in this park and this guy's in this park and this pet pushed around, it's like, well, it's, you know, yes, those things have an impact, but sometimes it's around the fringes more than it is about like, you know, the, the true value of the player, I guess. So that, that's something that I just think is interesting to think about as we move forward. And it'll be fascinating because I think a lot of people may take, very different approaches than they usually do. And I am wondering, you know, whether that will be the uh, smart thing to do. And we won't know till the end of the season, but, um, and even then, you know, it's short season, a lot of variants, you never really know, but I think that'll be kind of fascinating to monitor. I think it's, it's well, it's well said is that we're, we're over like Again, like you said, you know, we want to find all the small details, the intricacies that are going to help us kind of maybe gain an edge somewhere. But at the same time, we're probably overlooking this, whole situation it's in the end that's why i keep coming back to i'm just gonna draft my team like i usually draft my team and i feel confident in and i i put together a complete team and if it's a shortened season or a longer season that team should still produce pretty well and i get it some guys have slumps some guys do this and you need the 162 games because you're not going to play great the whole time but how are we going to know which guys start out slow finish slow have a slow like two-week middle like we don't know that like we have no idea we're just shooting for the numbers. And that's what you got. At least that's what I keep trying to tell myself is, you know, when we see these new projections coming out, I know Baseball HQ, I think they came out with them already. or They're coming out with them pretty soon. I saw yeah, I think- Ray Murphy tweeting about it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's stuff along those lines. Like, just trust the numbers because baseball is a game of ups and downs. There's going to be slumps. There's going to be streaks. 
in the end, trust the pedigree, I guess, of the player. Sure, injury concerns, this, that, or the other. But in the end, you want the player that you know the back of the baseball card, even though it might be 80 to 100 games, is going to be that guy. That's kind of what I'm looking for. But we shall see. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyone else in that range that stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's a lot of interesting guys in this range. I guess the two guys that I'm interested in are – thinking about for good and bad reasons. I think Michael Brantley, you know, at that 128 range, if you need batting average, he's a very solid ad right there. I mean, he's just solid across the board um, everywhere he's been, as long as he's been healthy, he's been a contributor. He's not going to get you those stolen bases like he used to, but I still think he's undervalued uh, right now where he's going. Uh, Brandon Workman is another guy. I know we've had conversations about him on the pod, so I won't belabor the point, but I just think, you know, it's hard for him to repeat the quality of contact that he, you know, how, how well he held uh, quality of contact, um, you know, last year. And then I think the high walk rate uh, scares me uh, a lot. And so when I think about him compared to some closers, even going like 50 picks later, um, I think I feel a little bit better about them. So those are the two guys, but I think overall, there's some really interesting guys going like, you know, like a Biggio, you know, I think a pretty high ceiling, pretty low floor. Same with Danny Santana, same with Tommy Edmonds. So, you know, we're starting to get in that range where there's a, there's a wide range of outcomes for some of the players. And so it'll be a, it'll be a key time to pick the right guys. And, and one thing I'll say that I, I, I I'm, ga- I'm garnering, I guess, or gaining or whatever, whatever word I'm looking for there out of looking at all these ADP movers it really feels like people are really drafting towards an all Arizona league. I'll say that much for sure. Mm. Because with the guys you see coming up and coming down, that really stands out because you're seeing a lot of kind of the middle tier pitching. There's a few that rise up, but most of them fall. Like Gallon fell five spots, Mad Bum five spots. Um, and we get some other guys farther down. Uh, Max Freed's in the next group. He dropped nine spots. You see a lot of that kind of stuff. Huh. But closers, closers are bumping up. Like Rossi Iglesias came up six. Um, Nick Anderson came up 10 spots. Workman came up seven spots. And we'll see that kind of trend for the most part going forward. And then you see these like multi-position guys. It feels like they're going up because Danny Santana came up a few. Like Tommy Edmond jumped up six spots. So it's just a – there's really a lot of a lot of moving around the rest of this that we're going to talk about today compared to the first 120. But the trends I'm kind of seeing is, is you're seeing um, relievers come up a little bit. You're going to see some catchers, a group of catchers come up quite a bit. Um, multi-position guys come up. And then you see these mid-tier pitchers, not all, but some really coming down. So something to keep an eye on as we keep talking here. Uh, when we hit to round 12 now, we've got uh, Ahmed Rosario. He drops five spots. Max Freed drops nine. Shohei Otani at 135. He's up five spots. Craig Kimbrell stayed the same at 136. Kyle Schwarber dropped three spots to 137. Alex Colomay is up four. Erod is down seven. Uh, David Price up six by the injury situation. Carlos Carrasco, this one surprised me a bit, dropped 15 spots. Um, Elvis Andrews dropped four. Byron Buxton dropped two. And Carlos Santana is up three. So, again, pitching pretty much takes the big hits here. Kyle Schwarber dropped a little bit. but um, And then a couple of closers jumped up. So what are your thoughts in this range? Um, man, who's dropping Kyle Schwarber is what I want to know. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm kind of angry. Know who's dropping Not listeners Kyle Schwarber. Not listeners. I mean, to be honest with you, like I'd probably take Schwarber over every single one of those hitters in the round 11, you know? Okay. Um, 
I feel better about him than a lot of those guys. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of surprising. I th- we've we've kind of had our set our piece about Schwarber on, on the last couple episodes. Uh, I know we're both huge fans of his. Um, Ahmed Rosario is super interesting to me. The one thing that I feel like has enough momentum to stick in all of the proposals that we've seen discussed um, is potentially the, I guess if they're in their own ballparks, it may stick, but the universal DH. Now we have a question about that later, but, Two guys who I think that that could benefit tremendously are Ahmed Rosario and Victor Robles, because those are guys who, if there isn't the hip, if they are batting seventh or eighth in their respective lineups and the pitcher's no longer there, that's a lot more stolen base opportunities that those guys could get where they're not being bunted over by the pitcher. Um, and so I think that that actually, um, he's a guy that I really like and I feel like he's fallen a little bit. Um, from when I was drafting and again, people I haven't drafted in like three months at this point. So, but I really like Ahmed Rosario. I think he's, um, you know, he's really good. Somebody asked, I think asked me on Twitter about a comp between Rosario and, and, and um, Anderson and Tim Anderson. And I think they're fairly comparable. I mean, the power I think is the major distinguishing factor, but both plus batting average guys, both not very good OBP guys, both plus stolen base guys. So he's a guy whose value I like a lot, and I don't even mind getting like a Rosario and Anderson just because they contribute in those two key places. Um, the other two guys who are of interest in this range, uh, Max Fried, obviously falling back down. I really like him, even in an Arizona scenario. I was on SP Streamer, and I said that I love Fried in an Arizona scenario uh, because um, Fried is pretty good at managing quality of contact, not like Babbitt, but he does suppress home runs. He's got that. Um, he's got a solid fastball and then he's got that really heavy curveball that he throws. Um, and so I actually think that he gets a little bit of a boost in an Arizona situation. I'm sure I'm, I'm missing something as to why people think he's going to do worse there. Um, maybe because of the walks, but, um, he improved that dramatically in the second half. Um, and he improved in so many respects. So I like Freed still a lot. I, he wouldn't be the guy in that group that I would necessarily be dropping, the last guy I'm interested, um, I just think he's a fascinating guy, is Carlos Santana. You know, he's kind of stuck in that 140 range, but a guy who consistently has an, a tremendous plate approach, great plate discipline, solid contact skills, hits the ball in the air, uh, very good top of the Cleveland lineup at least. And so he's another guy who I think can provide some value here uh, later on if you have an address first base or corner infield by this uh, by this point in time. Yeah, you hit on some of them there. Freed, I, the the fall on freedom. I'm a big fan of. You know, he still utilizes that sinker so well, even in Arizona. That that should help him quite a bit. Uh, you see Erod falling down. I'm I'm a big Erod fan, but with David Price right next to him, I'll take David Price over Rodriguez, especially in the shortened season. Um, I'm I'm baffled by the Carrasco fall. I understand people are worried about his health and whatnot, but all reports have been pretty strong on Carlos Carrasco. So. I'm I'm kind of confused on the fall that large uh, for Carrasco. Something to monitor there. But uh, overall, the Schwarber's the main bat here. I, I love Rosario. I'm just kind of not loving that price tag on Rosario anymore. He's earned it. He's really good. I have nothing wrong with that. But um, give me Freed, uh, Schwarber as the main bat in this range, and David Price for sure. I'm just kind of curious on the other ones. But um, interesting group here. Very interesting group. Again, more relievers. Coming up, starters falling down. It's just a trend you're going to see as yeah. we head to. Re- yeah, what was that? Well, I, I was just I was just going to say, Baba, you got me thinking. 
Um, you know, and we're talking 12 team leagues here, but I mean, if you hit on a Rosario Schwarber combo, you know, kind of in the 11th, 12th round there, I think that that is a spectacular combination just because obviously the rest of your team matters too, but you know, they kind of complement each other pretty well with the power, the speed, the batting average, um, the contributions. I think that would be a really nice, uh, tandem, uh, to get uh, to get right right there. So since you mentioned it, I had to I had to highlight your genius. Uh, the, the thing I'm thinking of here is why Schwarber maybe fell just a tad again. Three picks, not the end of the world. Is again, people might be thinking Arizona League more guys hit home runs. What else does Schwarber really offer? That's my only hunch. Uh, they, they're sadly mistaken because he offers much more than that. But um, that that's my only guess there. In that scenario, I'm really looking forward to doing all of this and looking at all these numbers and everything. I am looking forward to May's ADP because you would assume if we're having a season, which I'm still a believer on, there's going to be some announcement here in May with the kind of format of what's going to happen. And then drafts are going to get going in full force. So I am looking forward to seeing the end of May ADP and comparing it with these and seeing where things land. Uh, Let's head to round 13 now. Another closer leads the way. and This is your boy because he's so hot. Hansel yeah. Robles at pick 145. He's up three spots. You got Corey so Seager. Hot. He's so hot. Corey Seager has jumped up six spots, which was slightly surprising to me just because Rosario and Elvis Andrews fell, but Seager got the bump at shortstop. David Dahl dropped four. Hungjin Ryu. Jose Leclerc, your, your boy, another closer, up six spots. Uh, Max Kepler, a guy similar, if I, if, I, if I believe my Schwarber notion of power hitters taking a hit, Kepler dropped six spots. Uh, Scott Kingery up three, Lourdes Gurriel down two, Archie Bradley down two, Kyle Hendricks down one, Yuli Gurriel up one, Robbie Ray up one. So not much in the back end of round 13, but early on, some movers in Robles, Seager, uh, Leclerc, Kepler, and company. What stood out to you in round 13? Well, you know, everybody showed up wanting to hear us talk about rounds uh, 11 through um, I need my math uh, through 20, Bubba, but I'm going to spend the next 45 minutes talking about Hansel Robles. That's fine. Um, he's so hot right now. No, uh, Hansel Robles is a big uh, target for me in closers. I've mentioned this a million times already, but I, was, I wasn't actually that into him. Like I thought, oh man, this guy might get the role and then it became a thing. But like I, in the off season, I was like, ah, well, it was fun with Robles. Like I'm not really interested in getting him. And then I dug in the numbers. He had a major change in his picks, pitch mix. You know, in the second half, uh, elevated usage of his changeup, which is his best pitch. And just going with the fastball and changeup approach, he was absolutely dominant. And so um, I really uh, I really like him as my closer one and a guy that I'm looking at. Other guys in this range, I mentioned Kyle Hendricks at 154. I think he's an absolute bargain where he's going. I mean, he does it over and over again effectively. You know, I know that um, there's a lot of Smart people who like Mike Soroka this year. Um, I have no problem. Well, actually, I'm not going to draft Mike Soroka, but, you know, why not just get Kyle Hendricks, you know, uh, going a, a ton later? All those pitchers kind of in that middle range. I mean, he's got the ERA. He's got the whip. Yes, the strikeout rate from a per inning perspective isn't that great, but it's not necessarily going to hurt you. And so, you know, a lot of times with my strategy, if I've got my two aces who are helping carry the strikeout rate, uh, or the strikeouts, then he's a he's a perfect addition to that team as a third starter. Scott Kingery is a guy that I like a lot. Just you know, going where he's going as a third baseman, corner infielder, he's probably going to get second base eligibility based on 
what the Phillies are planning to do. He's also got outfield, so he's got that multi-position eligibility. He's got some power. He's got some speed. He's got a little bit of batting average. He's a young guy who's improving. I think he could still take another step forward and be um, be uh, really good this year. And then the last guy who has just fallen, 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 I've drafted him as high, I think, as probably pick 90, is Yuli Gurriel at 155. Um, I love Yuli. He's a batting average first guy, and so he's going to help you there, makes a ton of contact. Um, yes, he's probably not going to replicate that home run rate that he had last year, but he did lower the ground ball rate substantially, which will help uh, make sure that he doesn't fall too far um, off with those um, home runs. And then he's going to be in the middle playing every single day with dual position eligibility, you know, um, in an Astros lineup that's going to be really, really good. And so in an Astros lineup that may have a little bit more pressure off of them, just given everything that's happened, um, you know, uh, since the scandal broke. So um, I think there's a lot of guys in this kind of area that I, that I like a lot. And um, yeah, this is a good round, this round 13. How about you? Yeah. It's definitely a good one. You get Hansel Robles, who, you know, it's hard for me not to do 35 previous podcasts with you and not become a, a Robles <laughs> fan because I, I was like you. Chipping well, away. I wasn't like, I guess I'm not like you because you bought into him last year, but I didn't understand it. Even to start the season, I was kind of like, yeah, no. But the more we talk about him here, the more I look into him and other stuff, I started having him everywhere. It was just too hard to pass up on where he's at, the pitch mix change, like you mentioned. So he's creeping up. Um, you got LeClerc here. Like I said, I love the Scott Kingery. He's a guy I've been I've been targeting a lot of places, third base outfield right now. Like you said, likely to get second base. That gives you the, the a middle infield, corner infield eligibility, and it's just another one of these multi-position guys we're seeing kind of get a little bump. Not nothing quite crazy, but they're all kind of moving up. Which I can see the appeal if you're going on maybe guys not ramping up enough for you know these weird roster sizes and these weird game schedules and all these things. Guys that can play all over the diamond might help free up time for veterans to take an extra day off here and there so there's definitely different avenues to try to approach a team and i can see the appeal of grabbing some of these extra multi-position guys and you might not just for that kind of reason um and then it was interesting to me you mentioned yuli guriel when i was looking at this i think it's the first time i've ever seen lordis get drafted before yuli so that's a, a very interesting kind of development over the last month or so but other than that, it's kind of a, it's a good range. It's a good range to get your closer at Hansel Rubbles. That's pretty much the moral of the story here. Uh, Max Kepler falling is something I want to keep an eye on because I know we were both on Max a ton last year, and he was going after pick 200 or so. Now that he's dropping down to like 150, for a while there he was going, what, 115-ish, 120, give or take. So if he starts falling down some more, say maybe 160, 170, might have to get back on the Max Kepler bandwagon for next year. So that's something I'm going to have to keep in mind as well. Yeah. All right. And, and on, yeah. on Kepler, I didn't want to talk about every single player in that round, but I agree <laughs> with you. I mean, if you're looking for power, if you miss out on a Schwarber, somebody like that, I mean, Kepler last year was absolutely phenomenal. And what people forget is that he was injured for a lot of September. Like he didn't even hit 600 plate appearances. And you're looking at 36 home runs, 98 runs, 90 RBI, the batting average isn't going to help you because the fly ball rate is just so high. Uh, but he makes an incredible amount of contact. He generally has had pretty good plate discipline throughout his career. He was worse than he generally is last year, but he's going to bat lead off in that twins lineup. Like he's going to score a bunch of runs as long as he stays healthy. He hits too many fly balls and pulls too many of them consistently to not hit a bunch of home runs. And so I think that's a great shout as well. I, I think Kepler, it could be, 
he could easily be that guy that ends up falling back even another round or so. Um, I think just because the the hype train seemed to have left the station last year and now people aren't um, as interested in paying up. It's it's weird with, with Kepler because you mentioned how he was injured last year. One of these years, like I always in the back of my head, it's you talk about guys hitting that like peak age or the age, the breakout age, all those things. We got to remember with Kepler, he came over from Germany. He's only been playing pro ball or like like organized baseball for like what six or seven years, give or take. He hasn't really been in, in hardcore baseball. We've seen the improvements every year. He's actually got a great sprint speed. If you ever figured out how to steal bags, that'd be another plus. But yeah. maybe that's <laughs> he's so bad at it. He's, he's, he's horrible so, at it, but like he's, he's so he's, bad at it. Like he's towards the top of the sprint speed, but he just can't steal a base. It's just he's got no read at all. Get, but the thing get, with him that's that's so great, like you mentioned, the pull factor. He's gonna be leading off for the Twins if he starts to hit for a little more average. Sky's the limit for him, at least in four categories. So, yeah, and his contact rate's great. I mean, he's yep. he's one of those elite guys who somehow manages to make a ton of contact. Um, despite kind of like not necessarily having an approach that you would anticipate that for guess what he is over the last two years in stolen bases. I'm going to guess like six for 17 or something. <laughs> Pretty close. Five for fi- five for 15. I'll take it. I, I don't know how I got that close. I literally threw that out at the wall. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. That's what's disturbing about him. Like I don't even try to promote it. Like last year I was like, Oh yeah, look at this. He, he's going to add steals. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not even going to bother with that anymore. It's a, it's a rough go. But um, let's head around 14 and see what else we can come up with here. Uh, Salvi Perez at 157. He's up two spots. Matty Boyd down two at 158. Justin Turner up four. Kenta Maeda up four at 160. Uh, the catcher, Will Smith, stays at 161. Malik Smith at 162. Carlos Martinez up two. This is one that I just can't stomach. Giovanni Gallegos up 12 spots. Uh, mm. This one's interesting, though. Kyle Tucker up seven. E5, Edwin Encarnacion up three. Will Smith, the closer, up one. Lance McCullers being healthy up 13. So we got some major risers in this range. Before I hand it over to you, I do want to check. So in March, Gallegos was 175. Uh, now he's 160. So he raised, he would come up about 10, eight spots according to ADP. Lance McCullers came up about nine to 10 spots as well overall. So those are your big jumpers here. Uh, the other one that's real intriguing is uh, Kyle Tucker. What stood out to you in uh, round 14? This is another kind of, kind of, I don't know, kind of blah round for me, I guess. Um, I mean, there's actually quite a bit, a few guys I like, but nobody that I was particularly um, uh, energized, I guess, to talk about. I mean, I'm a Matt, I'm a Matthew Boyd fan, and he was obviously struggled from an ERA perspective last year. But even though getting knocked around pretty good second half, you know, his WHIP was still, I think, one two four. I don't have it in front of me, but it was still a solid WHIP. Strikeouts were nice. The K minus walk rate was great. It was really the home run to fly ball rate. And I'm not, you know, I'm not convinced. Like, I think he's definitely a guy who's going to give up more home runs um, than league average. But being that bad, I think the work that he's been doing in the offseason um, on, on his changeup, I think, or his curve, I can't re- remember which one he was focused on. Um, but, you know, I think that'll pay some dividends if he can throw a third pitch uh, fairly consistently, but everything else points towards a guy who's a great strikeout pitcher with a really low walk rate. He's always had a pretty low walk rate. And so I like that combination a lot. Again, I think the home runs are going to be an issue. The question for me is, you know, is it closer to the, you know, um, 
the one four home run per nine that he gave up, you know, in 2018 or the 1.9 home runs per nine that he gave up last year. I tend to think like, okay, so in 2018, 11.2% home run per fly ball, 2017, 10.6%. So right at or below league average from a home run per fly ball right now, he's a fly ball pitcher. So he's going to give up more home runs total. That jumps up to 18.2% last year, which was about 3% higher than league average. So unless there's some reason why he took that that huge jump, I think he could do be do some positive regression. Um, and even when he gives up home runs, generally speaking, there aren't a ton of guys on base. So I feel good about him as my as my third starter. Um, uh, I actually like him a lot there. Um, you know, him he's a little bit of a different approach than Hendricks, but I like both of those guys. I think E five is solid value where he's going. I like Kenta Maeda where he's going at one sixty. Another SP three I think is solid. Justin Turner feels like he's been moving up, but he's probably right around where he was. Um, and he's all around solid. The thing I like about Turner too, is, you know, he's going to be injured, you know, he's not going to play, but I don't mind if I kind of know that like an older guy who's probably going to get, you know, 500 plate appearances because I, it's not like I get a zero for the 150 plate appearances that I miss. Right. Like as long as he's on the IL, like, you know, he's not the type of guy where if there's a question about injury, I'm, I'm going to be like, really concerned about keeping him out of the lineup. So I don't mind doing that because I'll take what I get from him and then, you know, um, uh, mix and match to fill in. So some, some solid guys here, but I agree with you on Giovanna guy, I guess. I don't understand that at all, especially with um, Jordan Hicks kind of coming back. Yeah, I don't get that at all. Like he's going to be right in the mix real, real quick. Yeah. Um, And the thing for Gallegos for me too, is like, we've really only seen one year. You know, and so like, yes, he was absolutely elite last year. He was a tremendous pitcher. And I'm not saying he's going to get worse, but we haven't seen him doing it consistently. And so I don't feel as good about, you know, going with a guy like him as I do with going with somebody who may have a little bit of questions, but I've seen them do it for a couple of years. Yeah, I'm with you. That's the thing. And and just because he was elite, which he was, People need to realize that uh, there's things you're not going to see on a stat page. Going from seventh, eighth inning to closing is a different animal. Like you'll hear like professionals talk about it. It takes a special mindset to close out a ball game. So like you've seen the best of the best go into the ninth and it just doesn't work for him. I'm not saying it won't work for a guy. Go, so he's very, very good. But you got to keep that in mind when he's moving up the board like that. It's pretty wild to me. I'll definitely sit and take Jordan Hicks later if I want any piece of that Cardinals deal. It's a messy messy situation but I, i'd rather wait in in, in that regards um how old do you think he is giovanni gallegos yeah well the fact that you're asking me that means he's older than we think um let's go 28 yeah he's 28 almost 29 yeah because i think most people would probably say he's like 24 <laughs> yeah younger guy yeah yeah no um like the justin turner thing is a, is a great call because Similar to Michael Brantley a few rounds earlier, it's not flashy, but he's going to hit for you know twenty plus home run power. But most importantly, he's going to hit for a great average. He's going to help your team out in a big, big way where you might need him if you took gambles elsewhere. And then you mentioned the replacement value. That's something that I know some people talk about, but I think it needs to be like shoved down the throat of people more. Is they need to realize just because a guy gets hurt doesn't mean it's a bad thing if those innings he plays, those games he plays, are very productive. Because you're mm-hmm. going to get to replace him. So you add on stats onto those numbers already to create a super player. So I think it's something that people really need to analyze more. It's either a combination of 
they're not comfortable with their ability to pick guys up off the wire, which is fine. Listen to the show. We'll take care of you. Mm -hmm. Or um, it's just they, they can't see that part of it, which happens as well. So that's something to definitely keep in mind. Uh, the Kyle Tucker one is intriguing to me. Up seven spots. Everyone's wanting Kyle Tucker to produce. I've been in the camp of I'm not paying the price tag on Kyle Tucker. This is one of those guys, if you're going to take kind of the super upside approach to your draft for the short season, I'd say get Kyle Tucker here. I think it's a great price tag for Kyle Tucker. Just realize it's risky. But the reports have come out of the shortened season. It should be his job. That's why I think he's moving up boards right now. If it's his job, he could be quite productive. He's going to run. He's going to hit for power. Really good good ball player. Just realize he might have a little, you know, first time in the bigs, Mike Trout moment. So see how that goes. But he could be a steal at pick 167 for a guy that can legit go 20-20. Think about that as a, as a steal at that point in the draft. So I don't mind him at all. Um, I'm going to stay away from Lance McCullers. I love Lance, just not this year. But uh, yeah, I need to see some more from him. So, yeah, interesting range here for sure. Gallegos, no. Kyle Tucker, sure. The rest of this range, I, I like Kent and Maeda. I like some of these other guys, but not absolutely in love with it either. Hmm. Let's go to round 15 now. You got Hori Polanco up two spots. Sean Doolittle up five, another closer. Wilson Ramos up two. J.D. Davis gets a nice little bump up seven spots. That surprised me some. Uh, Low Kane up four. Hey, another closer. Keona Kella up 10 spots. Um, Herman Marquez, because people are saying no more coolers. He's up 16 spots. Ian Kennedy up two. Gavin Lux falling 11 spots surprised me quite a bit. Mike Miner down four. Ryan McMahon up three. And then Chris Davis. Okay, similar to the Nelson Cruz stuff. Chris Davis is down 10 spots. It's like uh, with everybody else getting the DH around, these uh, other guys are kind of taking a little bit of a hit here. So round 15 is very interesting to me from just a you know losing value and gaining value perspective. What's your thoughts on this range? Yeah, I mean, I love Jorge Polanco. Um you know, I just think he could be really – he is really, really good. Battled a ankle injury second half last year. I think he's got everything except for the stolen bases. So he's a guy who stands out to me just because I feel like he's going around where he ended up going last year, and then he kind of did what people were hoping he would do, and he's still going around uh, where he, he was last year, kind of like the Carlos Santana uh, situation, although he's moved up quite a bit, I guess. Um, so I like Polanco a lot. Locaine is very interesting to me. I've liked him a lot. He just, he underperformed based on all of the metrics. Like he was as good, if not better, in a lot of the batted ball quality metrics and just hitting overall. He is a year older, a year slower, but he still stole a bunch of bases and hitting at the top of that lineup, I think, for the Brewers, hopefully getting some health because last year he fought a number of injuries. I think he could be huge. And then Chris Davis, for me, again, continues to be tremendous value at 180. I think last year, he's not that old. I think last year was really about um, an injury. Um, and, you know, now that he's healthy, I don't see a reason why he can't regain at least some of what he was able to do um, in the past. And, and that could be uh, winning the home run title, you know, and, and being among the league leaders in RBI, especially with that lineup in Oakland. Um, so those are the three guys that really jump out at me. I think there's some decent closers here. I think Ian Kennedy is fairly solid. Um, you know, the one hit I think that I, I, I've heard other people say, which I think um, resonates a little bit, is that, you know, he is out of a contract at the end of the year and they have Trevor Rosenthal, who's looked really good, um, who has a good relationship with Mike Matheny. So that raises a little bit of concerns. But 
a guy who looks like he's going to have the job, who was really good last year in a bullpen role, um, you know, going where he's going. I like that a lot. So uh, some decent guys going right here. I think Ryan McMahon as well could be super interesting. But again, you never know what the Rockies um, are going to do. Yeah, McMahon's a guy I, I do like taking a chance on. We'll get to his counterpart, Garrett Hampson, who's plummeting like a, a box of rocks right now. So he, we'll get to him in a minute. But McMahon, I love the hard hit ability from him. Uh, Chris Davis, if, I, I don't get it, dropping you know 10 spots on the ballot. He's dropped about eight ADP spots in over that month time and it's just crazy to me that you can get Davis potentially in a 12 team league in round 15 or 16. I just can't wrap my head around that. I don't know why, but the upside with him, he was hurt. He was hurt last year. Like people really need to to, to pay attention to that. At least that's the way I see it. So I'll, I'll take that value on Chris Davis all day long. Uh, I like the Ian Kennedy call as well. I'm really curious. I, I agree with the Rosenthal take and I've said forever when before the season started, uh, Kennedy's likely going to get traded at the trade deadline. But the question I have, because I've heard different results, so it's not really a question, more like we have to wait and see, is with this weird season, there might not be a trade deadline. So that's mm-hmm. going to be interesting. And that, that could change. That can make Ian Kennedy even stronger, but uh, we'll see about that for sure. So this range is interesting. I got two questions for you on this range, and we can kind of talk about it here. J.D. Davis, he jumped up seven spots, like I said, uh, when it came to ADP 179 to yeah he dropped, he jumped about six or seven ADP points and then Gavin Lux he dropped a whopping eight or nine ADP points. Do you have any thoughts real quick on uh, JD Davis and Gavin Lux their changes in ADP? Yeah, I'm not sure about JD Davis. Um, I know that he had the shoulder injury I think in spring training, so maybe the fact that that's now in the pretty solidly in the rearview mirror um, boosts him up a little bit. With Lux, I have heard news that I um, can't remember what, who, who I heard it from or who the reporter was, but essentially that Lux was not guaranteed to, um, to have a spot with the Dodgers. Like, I don't know if I believe that or not, but maybe, that, maybe people are hearing that or are concerned that he's going to be a platoon bat or um, something of that nature. You know, I don't have any shares of Lux. I can see why people absolutely love him. Um, I don't have any shares though, just because I always find myself picking other guys that are maybe a little bit more of a sure thing. So, um, I don't know, maybe that's what, that's what people are kind of buying into. Although, you know, if there was the universal DH, maybe that could free up some plate appearances for him. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not totally sure, but maybe that's it. Uh, that's where, that's where my head's at. The JD Davis DH thing makes so much sense because it allows either Giannis Espedis, if he's healthy to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. It allows the Dom Smith, J.D. Davis platoon to maybe play out a little differently in the outfield. So that's where I'm at. I'm with you on that. And then Gavin Lux, that was always the concern with Lux is could he get enough regular playing time? And it's one of those, you know, when Jock Peterson was apparently traded, oh, wait, now Lux has full playing time. They were excited. Then the trade didn't happen, so now we're concerned about Lux. Now on a short season, do you play your veterans that, you know, you need them now or do you gamble on a young kid Lots of different scenarios with Lux, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. So I want to get your thoughts on that because I was in the same boat as you. Um, heading around 16 now, another closer, Joe Jimenez up two spots. Willie Calhoun jumps 16 because he's healthy now, which I think he's going to keep just flying up the draft boards about another 10 to 20 picks probably. Uh, Sean Manaya down three, Jacob Rizzi up one. Brian Reynolds, your boy, up seven spots. Uh, Trey Mancini's dropped quite a bit, obviously. He's probably not going to play this season, unfortunately. But he's supposedly healing up nicely, so that's good. 
Uh, Mark Melanson, a closer up seven. Kevin Newman up eight as well. So both Pirates are jumping up the draft board here. Omar Narvaez up one. Hunter Dozier down one. Jose Arquiti up six. And then Gene Segura dropping five spots. Uh, any standouts in round 16 for you? Yeah, I mean, Reynolds is really interesting to me because of the batting average and I think the possibility of speed, everyday plate appearances. I think he could be a real um, a real steal uh, right here. Uh, Mark Melanson, you know me. I love Mark Melanson in yep, the vast majority of drafts that I participate in. I would take him ahead of Will Smith. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's one of my favorite co- closer targets, Melanson is, because I think he definitely has the job. He's on a good Braves team. He's done it before. Um it's not going to be pretty necessarily, but you, you want those saves, and I'd much rather pay this price than um, you know where some of those really great hitters are going uh, earlier on in the draft. So those are the two guys that kind of stand out for me. A lot of guys who I feel pretty good about, but not really good enough to prioritize. Like I love, like I was on Hunter Dozier last year. I like a lot of what I see, um, but um, you know, and it could have been injury that was what was hurting him. But he just doesn't, um, for some reason, he hasn't done it for me. Um, maybe that'll be my demise. But, um, yeah, so, and then again, I mean, I, I think Arpiti's pretty good, but I think there are guys going later than he is who I like a little bit more that I would probably prioritize. Yeah, we're starting to get into the kind of riskier play realm of the draft. Uh, where do you want to go with it? And I'm with you. Brian Riddles is interesting if you want the bad and average. Like, I, I like the pedigree of the guy. He's a former Giants prospect. I just haven't wrapped my head around drafting him yet. That's been my biggest problem, but I get it. So I'm not going to go there. Kevin Newman jumping up eight spots surprised me. I know he's second-base shortstop eligible, so maybe that helps a little bit. But that surprised me. They seem to be falling all draft season. So to get that bump was quite interesting. Uh, I do like the Melanson play quite a bit up seven. Uh, Willie Calhoun, like I said, he's going to keep climbing. If you can get Willie Calhoun after pick 180, do it now. Like, I, I'm a – a huge Calhoun uh, fan, so I have no problem with that at all. Jump all over that. Um, I like your Urquidy take as well. He's jumping up. Guy's talented. Would you rather Urias or Urquidy at their prices? Oof, that's a good one. Um, I would probably lean Urquidy. Yeah, yeah. something. It, it's one of those, if you're going to take the gamble, just take the cheaper gamble. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of where I'm at as well. So it's uh, it's interesting, though. Because, you know, we've, we've talked about it. You hear other people talk about it. Uh, and everyone's, you know, Lazardo, Urias. And now you got Urquidy, who everyone's happy about. But I haven't heard his name mentioned a lot. And to me, they're all kind of similar on a shortened season. So I know they're different. I get it for those that are probably yelling at their, their radio station or their speakers right now. But they are similar based on value to me at this point in the draft season. All right. Round 17. Paul DeYoung up two spots. Luke Voigt down six. Adam Eaton up seven. Nice to see Eaton getting a little love because he just gets underappreciated. Love. Yeah, I, I like seeing that one there. Luke Weaver up three. Carson Kelly, the catcher runs, is going to start here. Some of these guys. He's up eight spots. Andrew Heaney drops five. Christian Vasquez up two. Colton Wong jumping up nine. So he's getting some love. Justin Upton up three. Brandon Lau up five. Mike Fulton Evans down three. And Christian Walker up six. So we're starting to see some guys that we liked earlier in the draft season coming up the boards. It's going to be a trend, Toby. I don't know. I'm not going to give our show the credit, but it gives me a kind of a little smile seeing guys we like to go up the board. At the same time, it kind of sucks. Yeah, I mean, I think we should probably take full credit, at least 85% <laughs> credit for okay, all the good players who should who are horribly undervalued moving up. Um, I think that would be fair. 
What do I don't think, think anybody would argue that. I don't think anybody would argue that. Not anybody who listens to the show. They know. <laughs> they know the type of content they're getting. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's there's some really nice bats in this little spot right here. I think Paul DeYoung is really um, underappreciated. Um, obviously, the batting average wasn't necessarily what we wanted it to be last year, but he just seems to improve. He's still only 26, seems to improve every single year. You know, hard hit rate. He's his O swing it has been solid the last two years. Um, contact rate up uh, from last year, actually better than league average. You know, strikeout rate down three percent. Hits home runs. You know, gets runs in RBI. Steals a few bases as well. So I think that batting average comes up. I think he's a huge value going where he's going right now. And one of the reasons why I'm okay. You know, why I don't have like a lot of Jorge Polanco is because I know I can wait about 30 picks and still get Paul DeYoung, uh, 20, 25 picks more like it. But um, so like Cam, you mentioned Eaton. I love Eaton. You know, one of the things that I've kind of become more attuned to this year, and I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Ariel Cohen's articles that he does about like different categories and like who is under and overrated based on like their steamer projections. Um, it's a great series of articles. I think he actually won a, a FSWA award for them last year. But on the one with runs, I hadn't realized just how quickly runs dry up as a category. Um, it's really hard to get them later on in drafts because generally the better hitters are batting higher up in lineups and are getting on base more and are scoring more runs. And so Eaton and a couple other guys are some of the last remaining like run, uh, not run producers, but producers of runs. Um, and so I like him a lot and he's also going to get you speed. He's going to get you batting average as well, which I think is really hard to get. Obviously there's the injury concerns from a couple years ago, but before those injuries, he also, you know, was a healthy guy, generally speaking. And so, you know, I think he can be healthy. He's at the top of that great lineup. And then Justin Upton, he's obviously moved up a bunch since, you know, the early drafts earlier this off season when I was getting him around like pick two thirty or so. But still, I mean, it was clear he was injured last year. He's still pretty young. He's in a great position in that lineup. He should drive in a crap ton of runs. So I think there's a lot of reasons to like Upton, just understanding that the average isn't necessarily going to be there. But I think everything else will be. And he'll also probably get you like five stolen bases over the course of the season at this point in his career. So I think those are three really good hitters that, um, you know, that I that I like a lot going where they're going. And this is a range that you can definitely – find a really quality hitter to fill a hole in your roster. Like wherever you decide, like you said, you can wait on DeYoung, which I totally agree with, but say you go take a shortstop early. Okay. Well now you can address the outfit with Adam Eaton or Justin Upton. Like those are both awesome spots. If somehow you missed on the first baseman early, cause we know how it dries up Christian Walker, not a bad replacement. I pick two Oh four right now. So there, there's a lot of really good pivot points here. Brandon Lau coming up to pick two Oh three overall right now, moving up quite a bit is a bit of a surprise. Colton Wong's getting the bump as well. Like we, we like Colton Wong, good average last year, a little bit of pop, really good speed, potentially hitting at the top of the Cardinals lineup. That's going to be big. It's one of those where I like it. I have no problem with it, but is he going to do it again? Maybe this is a uh, showing of how shallow the second base position can be. So he's getting that bump, giving you, you know, after pick 200, a potential 20 plus stolen bases. That's pretty nice. I'm not going to knock that at all. So it's a really interesting area. Like you mentioned, Upton average, Eaton average, DeYoung power, um, Walker power. Carson Kelly's not a bad catcher if you're looking for a first or second catcher this late in the draft. Brandon Lau, not really sold there, but Colton Wong stolen bases. So you can fill some interesting spots here around 17 in a 12-team draft for uh, for your team build in quite a nice way. 
And now the fun begins. Round 18, Garrett Hampson has dropped 19 spots. Hmm. Let me get let me get the exact uh, ADP here of Hampson. I got to scroll for a little bit here to uh, to find Mr. Hampson from March. I'll just do the search function. There you go. In March, he was picked 186.72. In April, he's picked 205.34. So, yes, essentially 19 spots. It's nice when they line up properly. Um, so he's a big drop. Nick Senzel's up nine spots now that he's assumed to be healthy. That's going to get a little bit of a bump. Uh, Marcus Stroman down four, another middle kind of tier pitcher, getting a little bit of a drop there. Tamaka stayed the same. A catcher, Jorge Alfaro, up nine spots. Kind of got the Carson Kelly bump just around later, so that's interesting to pay attention to. Avisla Garcia up one. This one hurts. This one hurts a lot. Oh, CJ going up. Yep. Yes, this one hurts. Let me find his exact numbers from March here because he got the love, and it's going to be hard. In March, he was drafted at 228.87. In April, 212.84. That is a 16-pick jump for CJ Cron. That uh, First off, thank you, everybody who listened. Appreciate it. It only took uh, many podcasts and articles to get you guys on board, but apparently, I'm gonna I'm gonna credit it to people going. He's not gonna hit in Comerica. He's gonna hit more home runs. That's what I'm thinking it is. Um, Dylan Bundy's up five spots. Joe Musgrove down one. Sean Murphy down one. Josh James up one. And then Brian Anderson, your boy, up seven spots. So he's getting some love again. I think it's the multi position eligibility coming into play here. No, nope, I think it's the podcast. There you go. The yes, there is. My bad. Sabotaging My our bad. bat, our draft strategy, Bubba. We got it. Yep. We have to think of a plan to hype up some of the guys we don't like on the podcast and get their ADPs <laughs> moving up. All right. I told you, there, there's a lot of these that we're going to talk about here. It's just like, oh, come on, people. <laughs> but uh, what stood out to you in round 18? Uh, Garrett Hampson. You know, everybody should be drafting him. I'm surprised he's not going in round 10 as opposed <laughs> to round 18. You should definitely move him up your draft boards. Um, I also think um, I can't find anybody else that I don't like that much. No. Um, so the guys that I like, I think this is this is a tough one because Brian Anderson is moving up. I love him. I've kind of spoken about my love for him extensively on the podcast, so I won't belabor the point. But two pitchers that I really like a lot. Musgrove is uh, it sounds like falling back a little bit. Bundy is firmly, you know, in the early 200s now. Uh, but I really like Musgrove and Bundy. I think. Um, you know, they don't necessarily have similar repertoires, but uh, Musgrove has more pitches. He's got a number of pitches that work well. His velocity was up towards the end of last season, and he was really, really good when his velocity was up. Um, he had that abdominal injury, and he just never was able to ramp up early in the season despite the hot start. So if he can maintain that uh, deeper focus on analytics that the Pirates have, I think he could be um, he could be awesome. Obviously, the wins are a challenge you know, with the pirates, but if he can pitch well enough, I think he can, he can get enough of them. Um, I think they might be a little bit better than people think um, offensively, but I'm probably just making that up. Um, And then Dylan Bundy, you know, again, I've talked a lot about him. Um, You know, the slider changeup combo is devastating. I think it'll be good to get him in a new environment that isn't Camden. And I just think he's going to be, I think we might see his best season yet or we probably will see his best season yet because his other seasons have been pretty crap uh but those are uh those are the three guys that really stick out at me i'll leave you know i'll leave you with your boy cj um but there's there's a lot you know this is kind of a really it's a tough spot because it's like if i'm drafting here you know i'm like oh man i want bundy i want musgrove i want anderson you know our next round there's some guys too so 
Um, this is this is actually a tough spot for me in drafts where I struggle a little bit, you know, um, just to figure out, okay, and it depends on the team, like what is the combination of players? Because I like a lot of players in here, especially in 15 teamers when, you know, in the last three rounds, you're getting two of those guys and instead of, you know, four or whatever. So, um, or three, I don't, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Um, so yeah, anyways, I, I, I like some of the guys, a lot of the guys that are going to the spot. Yeah. Similar to last round, it's kind of, how does your roster fill in? There's some guys I could definitely see on a Bubba team. Uh, Garrett Hampson would not be one of them. He wasn't one before. So seeing him fall down the draft boards kind of sucks because, oh man, just, yeah, he just keeps, he gets in the way now. He's just in the way. That's all it is. Uh, but Jorge Alfaro, similar to Carson Kelly last uh, round, I think that's a really good value for a very productive catcher going around pick 210 overall. He's moved up nine spots, so that's big for him. Uh, my boy CJ, at least someone's starting to appreciate him. That's good to see. It really is uh, getting the bump up there. Can't wait to see when he cracks like the 150 in May. It's going to be amazing. No, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> um, yeah, he's getting that bump, and it's good because he's, he's right behind Christian Walker now. You see those two kind of fly off real quickly back-to-back for people that, that kind of forgot about first base. So he, he's moving up. He's I'm not going to say he's not draftable because he's moving up pretty high, but he's getting towards that range now where you have to start thinking, is it worth it now? Should I just wait and get someone else later and take one of these other players we're talking about? Because Brian Anderson's interesting. I love Dylan Bundy as well with you. And, you know, like at this point in the draft, Jorge Alfaro might be the guy you need a catcher in round 18. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Uh, the only guy, other guy I wanted to mention real quick was Nixon Zell jumping up nine spots. I think that's just an interesting guy mm-hmm. to keep an eye on because um, obviously the hype train's behind him, top prospect for Cincinnati, but we haven't seen him stay healthy. There's still a very cl- crowded outfield. Does he start playing other positions around the infield? Interesting predicament with a guy like Nixon Zell. I think the talent level looks legit, but is the playing time there? So that's something to keep in mind as he keeps climbing up draft boards. Is the juice worth the squeeze in round 18? Mm-hmm. And Bubba, I think I just realized one of your secret weapons that you use in drafting fantasy baseball. Ooh, uh-oh. Yeah, you're like, a, you're an oracle. You said like, he's a guy that I can see in my team. So you, do you <laughs> like, do you like get a vision or like a premonition of what, of which guy is going to be on your team? And you're just like, I can see it. I can see that fantasy lineup being put in first week of the season. This is the guy. Yes, yeah, something along those lines, I guess, and run around okay. that way. Uh, okay. I guess it's more. I guess it's more like when we do as much research and talking and everything that we do. Eventually, you just tell yourself, "Okay, I'm going to roster this guy. I'm going to roster this guy." Like you just, you know, these are your guys. That's why you know at the end of draft season, we look over. Well, wow, I have like you did 15 drafts. I have him in 12 on 12 teams. Yeah, you kind of saw that one coming. That's just, that's just yeah. the way it's going to go. And we all have a handful of those guys that are just. Like Crone, and that's the, the the bad part is I love CJ Crone, and I think in like the six drafts I have, I don't even know if I own him because mm-hmm. everyone else takes him. That's one of the bad things about doing all the shows is people start taking your guys ahead of you. So that happens too. Yeah, it's um, it's it's tough for CJ. I have him yes. in a dynasty league. I'll trade you. I'll trade you. Oh, okay, it's, o- it's, o- it's OBP though. Oh, I don't know if he's that good there compared to other uh, other guys. No, so. It's a little bit of a bummer. Yeah. But all right, round 19, this is another fun one here. You got Yasiel Puig. He's dropped down 11 spots as he's still just waiting to get a job. And I will take the bait time and time again because I know he still has to sign and there's a the chance he won't. But my goodness, if Puig signs and pick 223 overall, that is amazing. 
Uh, Jock Jams is up 11 spots to 225. McCutcheon is up 29 spots. He's getting a big bump now that he's healthy. He was supposed to miss the first half of the season. He's already been, you know, hitting BP and everything right now. So if he gets that full bump, like he was 254.67 in March, now he's 225.10. So he's got a nice, healthy bump in April as people are seeing him healthy. I would imagine he gets above the top 200. He's going to be up there in the Adam Eaton range by the end of May, I'd imagine. So enjoy that value while you can. Dita Gregorius down six. Chu, Sinshu Chu up five. Yadi Molina up five, another catcher. Rugen Odor down one. Adrian Hauser down four. Alex Verdugo, who is apparently healthy as well, he's moved up 11 spots. AJ Puck is up 18 spots. He was 251 in March. He's up to two, up 21 ADP points, up to 230 overall in April. Mitch Keller down eight, and Ryan Yarborough up five. So some healthy risers in Puck, Verdugo, McCutcheon, and Jock Jam, some big fallers in Puig and Keller. Anything stand out to you big time in round 19? Yeah, I mean, I'll um, we'll talk about Puig, I think, a little bit later with a listener question, but yes. um, obviously that's incredible, especially with the rumors of him sign, signing with the Giants. Um, McCutcheon is a little bit of a tough one for me because, yes, I think you know he has more time, but he just looks so awful in the spring. Like he just looks so uncomfortable swinging a bat. I don't think it's been a year yet since he had the ACL surgery, and so um, I just still worry a little bit about him. Uh, the two guys that I like in this range, Shinshu Chu, again, like Adam Eaton, another guy who can get you a lot of runs, great OBP guy, um, some power, some speed, always always ends up around like 220 to 250 in drafts, uh, regardless of how good he is. And then Yadi Molina is a big catcher target for me, either as a catcher two or, you know, as like a top end catcher two or a bottom end um, catcher one. I just think he is... Um, you know, he's good when he plays. He's been injured, and even when he's been injured, he's returned um, some value. So he's, you know, he steals some bases. He gets you batting average. The power has actually increased, you know, the last few years. So I really like him a lot. I think there's a lot of, like, kind of, you know, high-variance guys here. Rugnit Odor, Mitch Keller could be really good, could be really bad. Uh, Ryan Yarborough is a pitcher that I like, too. Um, he made some changes second half last year and was really good. He was lucky too. So he shouldn't be as good as he was second half last year. Uh, but I still think he's really solid uh, with Tampa Bay. Yeah, this is an interesting range. I think it's a good range to take some gambles. If you feel pretty confident in your team, obviously Yasiel Puig is only a gamble because he's unsigned. But man, I am all over that value at that point in time. Uh, McCutcheon, I don't hate. I understand the concerns you have, but uh, I don't hate him. But Sensu I think is great if you don't want to take a gamble. I think he's a very safe, solid play like Adam Eaton, like you said. I got, I got Chu on a few places, so I got no problem with that. But the guy that's looking to gamble with, like a Rugen Odor, if you got some batting average, like safety net, go get some Rugi because he can still hit you 250 if he gets it going, and then he's just gold. So don't worry too much, and he could also lose his job. So there's a lot of risk with uh, with Rugen Odor, but the upside is huge in that regard. Uh Mitch Keller is another guy I know. I've, I've talked about him many, many times. Keller and Hauser are two pitchers in this range. I like a lot. Uh, they are they are falling, obviously, but I'm a big fan. If they're, they're your SP4, SP5s, big fan of that situation there. So this is a range. Like, choose the safety net here, but Puig's the guy I want. And then take some gambles with, like, an Odor, a Hauser, a Keller. You can really build some fun stuff in that regard. All right, round 20, we'll wrap up our top 240 here. 
We got Caleb Smith down four spots. Gio Urshela down nine. Mark Connor down three. Francisco Mejia up three. Tom Murphy down two. Dylan Carlson has got a 20-spot bump. That's been quite the healthy one, I guess, because people thought it was a logjam before the season started, but now the rumors are it's his gig. He's up about 1880p points in the last month. Another healthy riser coming up in a few, but we got uh, David Peralta up six. Danny Jansen, Toby. Danny Jansen is up Danny 10 Jansen. Spots. Before he you know it, you're going to be drafting spots. that pick 150. Yep, it's happening again, but another catcher. Getting the bump here. He's going in 252 in March, in April at 243. So got to keep an eye on. And then one of the biggies this uh, this evening's pod, Alex Wood. Alex Wood has got quite the jump from 271 to 245. So he's getting a healthy 26 spot jump uh, for Alex Wood. You got Hosmer down one. Travis D'Arnaud is up 14 spots. Ooh. That's surprising. Another catcher booming up the board. Ooh. And then Di Sclafani up two. So this round 20, we got we got Carlson, Jansen, Wood, and D'Arnaud taking massive jumps. Gio Urshela dropping a little bit. Any takeaways from round 20? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a big Mark Kana fan, so I think – you know, his second half last year, he looked really good. I mean, a guy who has all the pieces, good plate discipline, um, better in OBP leagues, but even in average leagues, like the contact rate was up, the hard hit was up, the barrel rate was up, all the stat cast metrics were nice second half. So really like him a lot where he's going. Dylan Carlson, super interesting. I'm always like, I don't know what my deal is. I'm always hesitant to take some rookies, but for a lot of guys who are who know prospects and um, no baseball. Uh, they like him a lot as, as kind of the top rookie hitter. So um, that I think is going to be uh, really interesting. Um, Alex Wood. Yeah. I mean, he's moving on up. I have a couple shares of him ever since he signed with the Dodgers. I think I got him in like three drafts, you know, between pick 250 and 280, I want to say. Um, so, but he's going to keep on going up. That below increase that he had during spring training, I think is Part of what people are buying into as well. I think it bodes well. He's in the rotation. A lot to like there. And then even Eric Cosmer. I mean, like he's falling so far. If you miss out totally on first base and he's your face first baseman and you have a good corner infielder, you know, already, like there's no there's no there's no shame in that in a 15 teamer. So um, you know, again, a, a decent little place here, I think. Um, but also some guys like uh, DRNO. I just can't get behind a guy who's going to be <laughs> who's going to be split like 50-50. Yeah. You know, that's what the Braves do. Like they split their guys, they rotate them every other day and um it just really limits value unless there's an injury. Yeah, Flowers is still there. That's what I try to tell people that are so in love with DRNO like convince me how Travis brings you the value you want. They just they, like you said they they the best you're going to get 60% of the playing time. That's the best. Mm-hmm. Unless something crazy happens and that's going to be tough to get you fantasy value there. So I'm with you. That one baffled me. Like, there's some of these that make sense, and some of them you're just like, huh, okay, where'd that come from? And Travis is one of them. I love the Hosmer call. You like, you, you brought a little tear to my eye hearing you wax poetically about him because most people look at me like I'm crazy when I talk about Eric Hosmer being value because he's a steady Eddie. Like, he's an Adam Eaton at first base. That's what he does. Mm. He's not going to hit you 35 home runs, but he literally will hit you over 20 every year, and he hits a good average. Counting stats are there. Like he's he's really not that bad. I know it's it's not sexy, but it, it's interesting. I love Alex Wood. I love I love the call on that. The velocity's up, but 
the thing with Wood, he was hurt last year at the Reds, but prior to that, you know, he's good for about 150-ish innings, 8 to 9K per 9. The ratios are great with a guy like Alex Wood. And the other thing is, on a shortened season, the Dodgers are probably less likely to play games with their rotation because they it's more of a sprint to the playoffs, not a, a like you know a long, drawn-out process where they can easily win the division. You never know if a, a Padres team or a Diamondbacks team keeps things interesting. They can't play the games. So it makes a guy like an Alex Wood much more valuable, I think, this season on the Dodgers than I normally would have liked. And then I'm, I'm D- Dylan Carlson. He's going to price himself out for me if he keeps going up, but right now it's very interesting. So I'm with you there. Something to uh, keep in mind. Um, that'll wrap us up for our 11 through 20. I think next week I'll just pick some names and ask you to uh, put them on the outline, some guys that jumped up quite a bit because there's a few that we still haven't gotten over that are big fans that you're big fans of, that I'm big fans of. So let's kind of debate them instead of going over every player on the face of the planet. But I mentioned earlier there's kind of – a couple trends. Catchers are kind of a little bump. Relievers, a little bump. Some closers. I mean, some uh, middle re- middle starters are kind of dropping a little bit. Injury guys are obviously getting a good boost. Uh, you got Colorado pitchers getting a boost. Colorado hitters, some going down. Anything you kind of take away from what we've talked about the last two weeks that kind of stood out to you or uh, just overall thoughts on the uh, ADP exercise? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you nailed all the trends. I think the thing, you know, relief pitchers for a long time were not as highly valued as they had been, I think, in previous seasons. And we've seen that kind of we've seen that adjustment happening. I think that's one of the major pieces. And when a whole group of player moves up like that, like there are guys who need to fall. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is really just like, you know, fantasy baseball players today are super sharp group. Like there's a bunch of great analysis happening, some exquisite analysis happening on this podcast, but there's a lot of different podcasts. There's a lot of different analysts and they're all doing incredibly great work. And so I feel like what you see happening in a lot of respects, I mean, people are obviously adjusting given the the changes that are being announced in terms of what the game looks like, but it's really hard, I think, to find, you know, really good values, like those values that existed maybe earlier on in the draft season. Um, have closed up a lot. And that's not to say there won't be values. Like in the grand scheme of things, there definitely will be, but it feels like the guys who should be moving up are moving up. And a lot of the guys who are dropping, you know, should be dropping relatively speaking, except for maybe Kyle Schwarber um, and Joe Musgrove. Uh, But, you know, um, yeah, I just think that like, it's, it's, um, you know, the market is doing its work and guys are sharp and, you know, there's there's less and less value to be had. I think the more analysis we see coming out, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens when we actually have a plan for starting baseball. And I really, really hope that that happens as long as everybody you know stays safe um, and and uh, we make some smart decisions as a country. So, yeah, I I you know that's that's my major takeaway is you know people are smart and the ADP reflects that in a lot of ways. Yeah, no doubt about it. Can't uh, disagree with you at all there. So let's do some listener questions. Some smart people sent in some questions Ooh, for us. Uh, these are the smartest of the smart. Yes, yeah, smartest, smartest of the smart, smart. exactly. At Bill Bradley 44, Billy B from Canada. He's got a couple questions. At first, it's a Canadian question. He wants to know, after last week's podcast, tell us more about your love for Kevin Biggio, which you teased, and why he's your favorite Blue Jay. I believe that's directed towards you. It's directed towards me. Um, I don't want to disappoint. Um, He's not uh, your favorite Bill, Blue Jay. Uh, because I know know, he was the best of a bad situation last week. Yeah. Uh, 
I had to pick between, uh, you know, in terms of value, Bijou, who I actually added to the question so I didn't have to choose Vlad or, or Bo Bichette. Um, I'm not that big a fan about Biggio just because I think his approach is so passive. And I think that that's why the average is low. That's what the strikeout rate is so high. And it doesn't look like it. He could certainly make an adjustment, but I don't know if I'm willing to buy him where he's going, buying into that adjustment. I'm worried about the stack cast numbers, very low max exit velocity. Um, you know, I just don't know if he, if he has that hit tool, uh, that he needs, but I could I could look really really bad. That that should not take away from your love for uh, for Kevin. My favorite uh, Blue Jay is Randall Grichuk. Yeah. I would say he's the guy that I own the most. Um, you know, he had a really nice second half last year. He's solid. You know what you're going to get. He's going to hit a ton of home runs. He's going to play every day. He's going to hit in the middle of that lineup. So he's the guy that I like the most from a value perspective. Um, Man, and we haven't even seen him in the top two forty. Nope, he's gonna, oh. he's on next week's list because he, oh, mo- he moved on goodness. up. He moved up. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't mean yeah. to, to to disappoint Bill, but um, I'm not that into Biggio, not that into Bichette, I'm not that into Vlad, but there are some Blue Jays that I do appreciate that you'll hear about next week. Yeah, Grichik is around twenty one, so we just missed him. Mm, but uh, just missed he, him. Yeah, he's moved up, and Teoscar's moved up as well. So it's very interesting with those two. Um, the next question from Billy from B from Canada. I believe this one's directed towards me now. Bubba, with rumors of Puig signing with the Giants, where can you see yourself drafting him? I'm going to take him immediately in round, uh, what was that, 18 or 19 because people are letting him drop. You'll probably have to go a little sooner, especially once he gets drafted. I'm not crazy. He's going to move up the draft boards pretty good. But um, I'd go as high as, you know, in reality, Puig is a 2020 type guy, a 2015 type guy. Uh, good year, 30 home runs, but at least 25 homers, 15 stolen bases. That's what Puig does for the last three, four seasons, give or take. Hits for a decent average. He's going to help you in all five categories. This is a top like 120 to 100 type guy, give or take. Maybe I'm too high on him there, but right now he's going around pick 212. Um, you know, if you can get him by around 150, I think you'll be able to. I think that's an absolute steal if once he signs because the Giants, no matter what the season does, I've said this from day one. Even if they have teams playing in their home parks, California is not going to let them play in their home parks. So they're going to probably play in Scottsdale still. I think all the California teams play in Arizona. That's just my guess. If the, Even if they let the other teams play somewhere else, unless mm-hmm. something changes dramatically in our, in our home state, Toby. That's my only guess. Mm-hmm. But um, Puig, a full season in Scottsdale, sign me up right now. So, yes, I'm a big fan, and I would jump his ADP. So to make it simple from all that, his ADP is about 211 right now. I jump him sixty to eighty spots pretty easily for me. I might be crazy, but that's where I would have him going. No, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if he's signed with a team and it looks like he's going to get every day at bats, he's a top one hundred yeah. guy. He's a beast. So yeah, he's an absolute beast. So yeah, you're getting a ton of value going where he's going right now. And that's why I think, like we talk about it the way we do, I think that's why he's worth the gamble. Like if he doesn't sign, so be it. But you're not going to get a twenty five fifteen guy in round in pick two eleven. Pretty much. Very, very rarely. And that's how you win fantasy leagues. When you hit that random guy that just goes off, that could be Puig in a heartbeat. So, Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, one thing that I love to do is go back and look at my draft boards from the previous year just to see about how bad I am at drafting um, and know that you're going to make some mistakes around this area of the draft. Yep. There are going to be guys who you feel like right now are just going to um, light the world on fire and for whatever reason they don't. Um, and so when you get a guy like Puig who has that, um, 
history, who's done it before, who you know is going to be really good and you can get him at this spot right here, it's worth taking the risk to miss out on, you know, your round 19 pick in a 12 team draft um, to, uh, to snag him. So I'm, I, I'm right there with you. All right. Our buddy Comac dude, Cody McDonald, bringing the awesome questions yet again. It's a two parter. So we'll start with the first part here, Toby, where do you stand on the universal DH and is now the time to make the switch permanent? Um, yeah, I'm all on board for the universal DH. Um, I think that hitters are terrible at hitting or hitters are terrible at hitting pitchers. (laughs) Pitchers are terrible at hitting and it's awful. And I hate watching them just bunt or strike out and it adds more skill. It gets more valuable bats in the lineup. Um, pitchers can focus on what they need to pit to focus on. Like I know, I I know where you're on at this because I listened to your podcast with Yancey. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm all for the universal DH. I think it should be a part of the game moving forward. I just think you know, let's put the best hitters on the field. Let's put the best pitchers pitching, um, and let's uh, let's have some fun. Let's hit some homers. Let's steal some bases. Uh, let's yeah. Yep, I'm with you 100. Uh, percent And I was for. If you have listened to any shows I've done in the years past, I was anti-universal DH for a while because I was that curmudgeon that just said, get off my lawn. But um, I, I'm all on board. I'm sick of seeing pitchers get hurt on the bases, sick of the automatic out. I, I think it makes the game more fun now to, to just even it out across both both the leagues. And I think it's the best way to do it. You know, you're going to have the three-division format with five American, five national in each division, universal DH. It's It was already on the table for next year's collective bargaining agreement. You put it in now, you see how well it works because it's going to, and you leave. And and one thing, um, I had a piece at Rotoballer get published Monday morning about the Universal DH. I wrote about 14 or 15 guys that could see a fantasy boost. I had a list of like 35 guys like because mm-hmm. you, you can make arguments for so many scenarios. Like you went, you went as deep saying to guys like Victor Robles and, and others because they'll have better batters behind them. Like that's a whole other set of arguments I didn't even make, and it makes 100% sense. So – there's relevance all over the board, but just in the article, one of my first things that, that I think needs to be discussed is if you bring the the DH to both leagues, it allows players to play longer. Like I joke about, well, we could have Matt Stairs for like another five years. If we didn't have the DH, we wouldn't have Hall of Famers like Edgar Martinez and future Hall of Famer pay, uh, Big Poppy. So mm-hmm. it, it's little things like that. And look how much they've done for the game of baseball. And why why waste these guys just because they might not be able to play good defense or – they play okay defense, but some of them plays really good defense. Why waste them if we can have them uh, hit the ball? So with all that being said, what kind of current NL players do you think get some the biggest bump? Like I said, you could name off a ton of guys that get bumps from this, but what are some of the guys you're looking at? Oh, man. You go first, Bubba. You go first. Um, you just wrote an article on it, so <laughs> I got to – I actually talked about one last week I think that I like a lot, uh, who's Will Myers, just because of where he's yeah. going and the – the power speed combo and and more of a direct path to playing time. He had a he had a terrible first half of last year and and he bounced back a little bit in the second half, uh, hoping it's an aberration. But the power speed combo, a guy who was going you know uh, top one hundred last year, he's gone top fifty in drafts before. I think like he's just um, uh, I think he could be he could be he could really benefit from it. 
But now I'll yeah. listen to you tell me every single player I need to be at my eyes on. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to name them all off, but Will Myers was in the article. I'm with you there. Awesome. A hundred percent. Some of the ones, and it's more just kind of a guys that I, I did it more on an avenue of it will open up more playing time for certain players. Like I think Garrett Cooper will definitely get more playing time in, in Miami. I think he could be a huge one, a lot of power upside there. Similar to him, Kevin Cron in Arizona. You could see a Kevin Cron or even a Seth Beer maybe come out or even a Jake Lamb. Like these are kind of guys, depending on where they want to go. But Kevin Cron, if he could play every day, he's got 30-plus home run upside. The dude, like look at his stat cast numbers. Super small sample, but when he hits the ball, he hits it very, very hard. So um, he, he's very – and his isos, everything he does when he puts the ball in play is amazing. So a guy like Kevin Cron's good. I think um, we talk about Yasiel Puig. He was in the article, but – he would open up tremendously but in the same vein as Puig, and you're playing the game of can he be healthy enough, and reports are that he's healthy right now. You get a guy like Yanis Suspedis that does not have to play in the field but can hit four times, four to five times a game. That could be tremendous. Like the DH is built for guys like that. Mm-hmm. So, And he's basically free in drafts right now. Uh, there's a lot of others. Like if you want to go way off the, the board, Matt Adams is built to be the DH. He's a perfect DH. He could be available for you. Um, stuff along those lines, but like uh, Suspedis, Puig, um, Walk, uh, Walk, or not Walker, Cooper is a big one for me. So some of those kind of guys, um, I'm a big fan of. But you can make arguments for two or three guys on every team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing that's going to be really interesting is to see how that plays out. And it could end up backfiring, right? It could be that guys yep. just get mixed and matched so much mm-hmm. uh, that it's really hard to tell who's going to get those at bats, but. Uh, I think it's going to be really exciting for fantasy baseball purposes. I think it's going to it would add another element to the to the to the um, the churning and the and the grinding and grinding out those at bats and um, so yeah, it would be really exciting. I think for the game in general for that to happen. Nobody's sitting here like, oh man, I really miss seeing you know Steven Strasburg bat. Although I know he's a decent <laughs> hitter, but like you know, no nobody's sitting here. For figuring out the permutations for how Steven Strasburg gets the most plate appearances he can this year. Yeah. And, and like you said, it, it's going to be tough because maybe they have swap uh, plate appearances. They're going to have expanded rosters already. So there's going to be so many bats in those lineups. It's going to be tricky. It's going to be real interesting to see how it plays out. Like maybe the conversation we just had maybe for 2021 for a full season of it in a regular size roster. Stuff along those lines. Uh, the last question we have here is from our good old buddy Jake Halsker. He asks, is there such thing as too much Austin Hayes? He's only half joking. Austin Hayes is going around pick 259 right now, Toby, which – or no, that was in um, that was in March. Oh, my goodness. I just did a disservice. He's going around pick 264. He fell a little bit in April. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on Austin Hayes? Because I know we've talked about him quite a bit. I know I'm a fan. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I would I haven't necessarily been actively targeting him just because he's going around the same place as a guy like Randall Gritchuk, who I just feel like is a little bit more of a of a known quantity. But um, yeah, I mean, I think he's got the ability to provide power and speed. You just look at, I mean, even his um, uh, his projections are all for about twenty home runs, close to ten stolen bases, which is very valuable. The batting average isn't great, but he's been a decent hitter, you know, throughout his career. Um, you know, in the minors, he obviously had some pretty bad uh, injury luck um, for a couple years there. But, um, you know, he looked good last year in his short, uh, in his brief cup of coffee. Yeah, I got that go. one. I got oh, it. I oh. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> with his uh, brief cup of coffee, I think he's going to get plate appearances. 
with the Orioles. And so, you know, and it could be higher up in the lineup. Um, so yeah, I think he's, I think he's very solid here. I go with other players generally speaking, but it's, it's generally because of what I'm pursuing at that point in time in drafts. I'm oftentimes looking to fill some, some holes in power, um, at this point in drafts. So, um, but he's solid. Yeah. Yeah, I like Hayes. Power-speed combo, likely leading off for Baltimore. I see the appeal. I'm not going to tell anybody not to draft him. I think he's got good value. If he keeps falling down the draft board, I think it's going to really up it because you mentioned you're going around different players there. You know, at 256, Ryan Braun, right behind him, Ian Happ, right behind him, Will Myers. A couple picks later, you have Austin Hayes. A couple picks after Hayes, you got Akiyama. So if you're looking for outfielders, there's a lot to choose from there that can differentiate on what you're looking for, what level of you know risk you're looking to take. I do like Hayes quite a bit just for the – I like being able to find steals late in a draft, and I think he gives that to you where Braun he, – he has in years past, but eventually he's going to stop stealing 10-plus bags a year. I still believe he can right now, but one of these years it's just going to stop. I know you like Hat Myers could give you 20-20 if he gets his stuff together, so that's an intriguing option back here. It's just – it's an interesting spot of the draft, like you said. What are you looking for? How are you trying to approach it now if Hayes keeps falling – you could get in a 12-team league, get him around pick round 25 or so. That's pretty good. I'm a big fan of that. One of your last picks because you'd get about, what, 28 picks in a draft. So that would be pretty sneaky nice. So don't mind that at all. All right, Toby, that'll wrap up episode 36. Any final thoughts? Not really. Thanks, everybody, uh, for listening. Um, it's been a lot of fun to go through this ADP. It's been helpful to me. Hopefully we have some news in the coming weeks about uh, the potential for uh, a baseball season. And in the meantime, um, for folks who are uh, watching the KBO, I'm excited to see uh, what happens there. And there's, there's people who are absolutely incredible in this industry who are producing, you know, KBO content on a couple weeks notice. And uh, that's just super impressive to me. So it should be fun to watch them and watch some of the bat flips uh, that we get over there. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. we got our first game starting about a half an hour from uh, where we are recording at this moment. Obviously, not where people are listening, so that'll be fun to check out. ESPN getting a game a night. Um, I'm intrigued for it. Uh, I don't have – I didn't do nearly as much research as a lot of other people, so I'm looking forward to following guys like on Pitcher List and Fangraphs and Rotowire and others. I'm going to put in some quality time and quality work on it for uh, entertainment value, for fantasy value, whatever you're looking for. That's going to be great. And yeah, hopefully we get some more news. Like I know it's a bunch of theories right now and ideas. I, it's just, they're trying, they're trying to figure something else that works. So I'm happy to hear that. A lot of it points to some type of June spring training, some type of July start. That's where everything's leaning right now. Hopefully that keeps coming to fruition. I know uh, Trevor Plouffe and Phil Hughes said some things and then some beat, re- beat reporters debunked it. But then yeah. um, Trevor Bauer came out and said, well, he hasn't heard anything. But if you want to find out some more news, listen to my feed on Thursday. So he's teasing something. It's almost mm. like the it's almost like the players know something, but the owners don't want to commit to it or vice versa right now. So there's something going on. If I think we're really close. And it was only beat reporters outside of Trevor Bauer denying it. So it's one of those, did the beat reporters get mad because they didn't get the scoop? I don't know. There's lots of ways to analyze it. I'm just hoping we get something soon. So yeah. let's have that. Let's have a little baseball in our life. Until then, enjoy the KBO. I'm going to record the most of them and watch them throughout the following day because I'm not staying up all night for that. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. And you can follow Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. I'm at BDNTR. Thanks for being awesome listeners. And we will come back with, to you guys next week with another episode of Bubba and the BatFlip.
Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.